Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are now listening to Waiting on Reparations, a production of iHeartRadio. Yeah, yeah, you're listening to Waiting on Reparations Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not even going to mess around or make you wait too long because we don't want to wait. Today's episode is kind of special for us. You know, like, it's only so often we're always trying to book interesting guests on this show. And every now and then we get the opportunity to book somebody who we're both very enamored with. And even though you read the description... And you've seen who it is. I'm going to let Mariah handle the introduction because she has it all written out and it's perfect. So we're just going to get into it. So without further ado. Oh, geez. How do I even do? How, do I really have the honor of introducing our guest today? Well, our guest today is Samus, a.k.a. Dr. Anongo Lumumba Kasongo, an Afrofuturist rap artist and producer from Ithaca, New York. She holds a PhD in science and technology studies from Cornell, is currently a professor in the music department at Brown University. There is a lot more that could be said about how fly you are, Dr. Simmons, but let's let that unfold in the conversation. So first off, I love love to ask people, this is my favorite thing to ask people these days. Everybody asks, oh, how are you? And you're like, oh, good. But what has been the highlight of your day so far today? Oh, the highlight of my day. I made some amazing eggs for breakfast. Yes! (laughs) Breakfast is the most important meal of the day! Oh, yeah. What's your secret? What's your secret to amazing eggs? Well, I'm a terrible chef, so um, I recently have been putting butter into my eggs and it's Mm. them just have this more savory um, kind of texture, like good mouthfeel. So... Mm. I, yeah, I felt really excited because I'm I'm just such a terrible chef. So when I'm able to make something that is somewhat tasty, it's like <laughs> mission accomplished. Yeah, it it boosts your self esteem so much. Like, yeah, I did that. I like I did that. My body and like is it cooking for yourself like a form of self care? It sure is, but it's hard too. Like it is, you know, real for real people who who understand the practice. It's like there's so much commitment. You gotta just prep like 
just figuring out all the formulas, it's chemistry, it's a lot. It's Having a lot. the right like spices and like implements, utensils. Yeah, right, the tools. <laughs> all the right tools. Like I don't even have like a meat mincer. Like what are you telling me? <laughs> Too much. But eggs. So make some good eggs, man. That will start your day right. Yeah. Um, well, let's get on to, into finding out a little bit about what you've been up to because last time I saw you, I'm pretty sure, was in D.C. at Songbird Cafe. And to oh this day, God. yeah, that's <gasps> right. And to this day, your encouragement, like we talked in the crowd, and you were really encouraging to me about my PhD and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, to this day, I remember that. But that was 2019, and a lot has happened since then. So what has transpired in your last two and a half years as an academic and a cultural worker? Yeah, so um, so basically in 2019, I was just wrapping up my, my dissertation. Um, so let me actually rewind to the, the top of the year. So I was like looking at my, my dissertation kind of being finished and like what was next. And I was feeling like, okay, I'm gonna be a, a full-time working musician. I had zero plans to continue into the academy. I was like, peace, I'm done with that. Um, and then a mentor of mine, um, Dr. Jennifer Stover, who's written this amazing book called The Sonic Color Line, she reached out to me and was like, hey, have you seen this postdoc at Brown for someone who teaches in like Afro-diasporic music making? And I feel like this might kind of be up your alley. Um, so I was like, sure, I applied to it and then actually got it and was like, whoa, that was unexpected. <laughs> and, <laughs> but then it was also this kind of oh shit moment because I had to have my PhD by the start date and the start date was in July and I did not yet have a PhD. So it was like, okay, I have to make this happen in the next like four to five months. So um, that that semester was like the worst semester of my life. I was writing like I had a gun to my head. It was so stressful. And I had I worked with a dissertation writing coach who would just like she would just push me like you got to keep writing today. So it was really, really difficult. But I finished it in time and I was able to graduate and um, and then ended up moving to Providence in, in 2019 to start the oh, position. Nice. Um, for the fall semester. So it was, I mean, it was a trip. Like, we can talk about this, but... Ooh, yeah, that, that sounds... I mean, yeah, yeah, that just hit me very deeply, because um, yeah, I'm, I'm supposed to have my dissertation done in three weeks, and my mental health is just not great Ooh, right now. So wait. And not only that, it's like impacting how I'm treating other people. That's the thing that's like not cool. I'm like, I can yeah. suffer, it's fine. But like, I'm like yelling at people. It affects everything. It affects everything when you're under that 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 kind of timeline and and stress and constraint. And when you're deep in the project like that, it's it's so difficult to just be in like a clear mental health space. So I com I completely completely understand that space, and I can't wait for you to be free of it. So shortly. was all of that <laughs> stuff that went down was that pre or post pandemic? That was pre. That was. Pandemic, yeah, yeah, um, and it's funny because I was I was on tour in the beginning of 2019, and I remember I was like in the back of the van, like trying just desperately trying to write, and like you know everyone's ha having a key key, yeah. living their best life, and I was bitter as hell because it was like I don't get to partake in anything. I just have this this thing, this demon looming over my 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 yeah. head. Um, so yeah, then I, I moved to Providence from Philly. I was in Philly for four years um, and then came up to Providence. And that's been, it's been a trip 
being here and getting situated, it's a different experience. And then halfway through my first year was when the pandemic ah, unfolded. Okay. So then I moved back to Philly and was there for two, for the remainder of the year and into the next year. And now I'm back in Providence after having like taught online basically for the past Are things a years. bit more yeah. set and stable now in terms of like all that? Yeah, yeah, like, and during, I should mention that during that two year period, I was just at Brown as a postdoc. So I thought, okay, I got to figure out my next steps. And then I was extended an offer to be an assistant professor. So it was like, okay, I have a little bit more, um, like time, the timeline is different now because I was thinking during the pandemic, I'm also gonna have to figure out what the next step is. So it was a little bit of stability after a yeah. few years of just not, not really knowing. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. So how has, like, academia, if at all, I mean, you're already, you know, in, I guess, 
at Cornell for eight years in your PhD. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so, so like, particularly with the pandemic, and now you're taking on a new professorial role. How has that influenced like your ability to make art? Um, has it informed it in any way? Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so the first thing is it, it informed it be in the sense that I haven't really been able to make that much art. Um, because I was so, I realized this um, like into maybe March or April of 2020 when lockdown was sort of like, when yeah. we were in lockdown, but I was so burnt out. I was so completely fried and just had not really processed it and, and, and had kind of accepted that as like the normal pace of things that like, yeah, you should be trying to do 5 million things and tour and write and be in conversation and do this, that, and the third. So when we had to slow down, um, I crashed hard. I was like, mm -hmm. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to use my brain to do anything at all. My brain is tired. She's tired. Sounds all right, tired. yeah. Yeah, so really for for the past two-ish two years, I've been more focused on um, two projects. One of them is, um, it's a video game project with some friends who started a, a, a studio um, called Glow Up Games, and we're working on this project, and they've wanted someone to come in who has kind of a, a rap background to engineer this like rap mechanic. So I, it's like was a very specific skill set that I was able to, to fulfill for this this game project. So I've been working on some rhymes to kind of figure out this like rhyme mechanic in the game. And then the other project is working with a friend of mine. She's a, an incredible MC named Akua Naru, um, and she is she's developed this idea to 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 create a digital archive um, that. Uh, traces the contributions of women and girls in hip-hop over the past 50 years. So, um, like, contributing in that way has been really, uh, like, gratifying. But as far as making my own stuff, I, I haven't I haven't even had the, the, I feel like, the focus to just sit and write. And I think it's, it's, um, it's like a scary space for me right now mm. because I think revisiting the page is, like, I think sitting with the, um, you know, the trauma of the past few years. Yeah. Just, you know, like I've, I've had these upcoming shows and I'm realizing, man, I haven't performed live in two mm. and a half years. Like, mm -hmm. what is that gonna feel like? Like, am I, you know, have I lost it? Do I still have it? Like all these questions that sort of emerge around creation that I've been trying to avoid <laughs> for the past two years that now I have to like yeah. get back into. But yeah, I, it's so interesting the way that pause Im impacted folks differently. Like it did yeah. slow things down for everyone, but some found a lot of creative energy in that yeah. slowdown. Other people, it, it was a moment for them to actually assess like Life. their where they were at and yes. like, whoa, actually, nah, this is not cool. This is, <laughs> you know, and yeah, the various ways that like that like slowdown really allowed people to things to emerge, things to emerge that everyone had been ignoring or not really, mm. you know. I had like. I had like two, two sides of that when the pandemic hit. Like the the first half of lockdown was like, oh man, nothing matters. What is art? There's there's no purpose or point in any of this. And then the second half was like, oh wait, things are gonna be fine. Okay, where's my pen? Yeah, I just started <laughs> just started writing like all over the place. <laughs> yeah, that's real. And and I 
Like it impacted me in waves. So I think when lockdown first started, I, you know, I was just kind of perplexed, like, okay, well, what's what's going to happen with this universe? And had kind of these existential crises of, like, like you said, what is what is a rap? What is what is creativity? Who am I? <laughs> you know, like, all those questions. But then I remember, I don't even remember what happened, but there was one day where I suddenly felt this deep pain, and I missed the performance space, and it was like very specific things, like I missed writing my set list, like scribbling it down at the beginning of the set, or I miss like the sticky floors of dive bar. Yeah. You know, like all of these kind of textural things that maybe you don't immediately identify as like the most important part of being an artist, but they, they add, you know, they add joy to your, your experience. So I felt a, a really acute pain in that particular moment. And so I feel like it's it's ebbed and flowed, um, but now I feel much more purpose-driven than I was at the, t- at the top of the thing, at the top of this, like, mm-hmm. well, Me and Mariah both recently started doing shows again and stuff too, so you you Yay! will you will, you will will enjoy it. It's, it's it's like a bike, you'll, you know what I mean, you'll. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my first show I played though, I, I like just forgot a lot of the lyrics. Well, Cause you're so yeah. used to like muscle memory and you play so much, you just not worry about it. I got up there and I was like, what is this song? <laughs> yes, that's what I'm, I'm not trying to say that to scare you, but like, <laughs> it got. It could happen, yeah. you know. I was yeah. way too hyped no. the the, fir- the first one that I did back. Like I I ran like my voice was shot after like the first verse of the first song. I was like, oh crap, I gotta go through thirty <laughs> more minutes of this. This is not gonna work. Practically <laughs> sipping water. Like, this yeah. case on a physiological level. Like I actually I just went to a a, a jazz uh, kind of show yesterday. And, you know, the music was incredible, but I was so focused on the performers because it was like physically, like they are just at the top of their game to be able to do what they were doing for 30 minutes straight. And it it was stressing me because I was like, dang, I haven't been really, like, will I be able to to be in that kind of shape? Like my voice, my <laughs> my memory, like all that stuff, how's it gonna function in the, in when it's game time? But it's good to know that you all have have gotten back on the stage, like, thank God. And it's a little creaky at first. It's a creaky bike that you're getting back on, you know? I, <laughs> I mean, it's- The rust, a little bit the gears, but it goes like It's, it's crazy. Yeah. One of the things that I like, was coming to grips with during the pandemic and stuff was how much of being like a MC or an artist, whatever you want to call it, like how much of that was part of like my identity since I've been, since I was 18, you know? So like, Things like you were just describing, like the, the stickiness of a dive, but like to me, that's like literally like, yeah, that's life. You know what I mean? It's, it's like it's 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 something such I identify with so much that I don't know. Like to finally get back on stage and to finally be in those atmospheres again, I don't know. It feels feels like a wholeness is like return that, that wasn't there for a while. So it's spiritual. It's definitely. I mean, what we do as performers, I have a new. If anything came out of this, like, in, if I feel really strongly, positively about some part of this, is that I, I am recognizing the work that we do, like the role that we do, and not just making culture, but like shaping people's real well, yeah. lives, experiences, the like world, world building, and all exactly. That, yeah. yeah. So well, shout out to I'm oh, sorry, I didn't cut you off, what'd you say? No, I was just saying shout out to us. <laughs> shout out to us. Oh, we're always yeah. shouting ourselves out on this show, so that's all good. That's right. <laughs>
Well, speaking of things that influence us and shape us, you know, we are a music podcast, but we're also a politics podcast. So I had to ask about Lumumba. So you are the grandniece of the prime minister of Congo, Patrice Lumumba, who advocated for self-determination for the Congolese people at a time uh, as they were transitioning away from colonialism, ultimately was assassinated for his revolutionary ideas. And he was killed long before you were born, but I wondered if his legacy has influenced you in any way and how that period in the Congo impacted your family history. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for that question. Um, And it's funny because, well, maybe it's not funny, but my my dad, He's, I love my dad, but he's so, um, I don't have a better way to put it. He's like shady. I love him, but he's like, (laughs) (laughs) like, he just, he won't tell you what he's doing. Like he'll call you like, I'm in South Africa. It's like, okay, well, what are you doing? And it's like, (laughs) click. And then he'll be somewhere (laughs) that type of stuff. So like when I was a kid, he didn't really talk about this amazing figure who was part of our like shared history. I didn't I didn't have any understanding that I was connected to this person, but it was actually like my history and social studies teachers who would be like Lumumba, like are you is there a relationship there? Like they would be like fangirling and fanboying and I didn't really understand like what was happening. So finally that produced like conversations with my dad about like who is this person and and like why are people feeling this way about his his legacy and through there I started to understand the just the radical importance of him as a figure protect, particularly I think in in that era in the 60s but then like globally as this figure of resistance like oh, yeah. going so for yeah. for our listeners do you mind just like giving like a brief little recap of who Lumumba was yeah so Patrice Lumumba was the um, first democratically elected prime minister of the Congo um, and he was really pushing for a kind of um, anti-colonialist. They, they wanted to be uh, able to govern for themselves. Uh, and Belgium was the, I, I mean, had committed atrocities in, of the scale Horrified. of the Holocaust. Um, and so he was kind of the figure who was able to, to push to that place. And then he was assassinated in 1961 by, by the CIA, essentially. Um, for, you know, inciting this kind of new political space. Um, so he really is a figure. And I realized that in going to the continent in, in various countries that he remains a kind of like revolutionary figure for um, thinking about freedom fighting. And then in terms of the, like how that's shaped my work, um, I hadn't really completely thought about it until like I was much older and a lot of discussions about like what kind of music you make came up specifically like i don't know if you've ever experienced this mariah where like being a a woman in rap is a very interesting space (laughs) because (laughs) you will often be positioned against women who you don't even necessarily have there's no beef there's no drama there so people will be like oh thank god you don't rap like cardi or they'll they'll position women who are coming from a particular like lyrical tradition or intellectual tradition against women who are coming from a space where they're maybe making party music or like strip club fantasy music whatever that is And so I really started to think about like, why do I make the music that I make? And I think part of it is that I want to be in conversation with Lumumba, these ideas around um, like what a a 
free space would look like for, you know, black people. And um, like, that's what I'm drawn to the music for. Um, of course, everybody has their reasons, but I think that's part of why I feel like I'm called to make that specific brand of music. Although I would love to make some party music at some point. I'm just bad I at it. You, I don't, I yeah. think you got a couple bangers in there that are like, you know, throw on and like dance it's around. Just, it's like, no, yeah, no, like whether, whether something is like a party joint or not is strictly based on like who's taking it in. You can party. I've, I've listened to some of your stuff and I felt like, man, this is some real feel good. You know what I mean? Like, have my head moved. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I wish I could make that, so. Oh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. But yeah, I, I thank you for asking that that question because it doesn't always come up, out or come up. Um, but it is an important thread, I think, that I'm trying to gesture towards. So now I'm wondering, did you... No. Like, did you grow up in the States? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I was born in uh, uh, upstate New York, Poughkeepsie, and then grew up in Ithaca. Um, so like two shitty upstate New York towns. So I was like, why, parents, why are you doing this? Like, why? Um, and, you know, especially because they hate the cold. <laughs> like, they hate the cold more than me. It's like, why would you yeah. do this? this Gotta is get so the bag. Gotta secure the bag, I guess. And the intellectual bag also, not just like the bag bag, but like the, yeah, you know. Right, right. I mean, like, yeah, they're they're happy. They have their, their intellectual community, but it is cold. So I grew up there and um, yeah, we, we went back to visit family, not on my dad's side, not in the Congo. The, the first time and the only time I've been to the Congo was in 2015 for as part of my, my dissertation mm -hmm. research. But um, and that's where I saw the love for Patrice Lumumba, like in practice, like his yeah. picture is still emblazoned places. Um, but we visited family in the Ivory Coast, which is where my mom is from, and, and hung oh, out. Oh man, with I, I used to, I used to live in uh, Sierra Leone when I was like when I, when oh. I was a baby. As a matter of fact, I think that's gonna go into one of Mariah's questions coming up about uh, May Jameson. Yeah. yeah. My Do you know that about Mac? No, no, she doesn't. That's, I do. Mae Jemison is his, is his godmother. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah. Whoa, hold up. Yeah, what? she's like really good friends with my mom and my dad. And when I was a baby in uh, Freetown, Sierra Leone, like she, she, she nursed me for when I was like really sick and like brought me to health. And yeah, 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 she's... How is this just now coming up in the conference? Why was why was did you not leave? <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I don't know. I've just I've just been wanting to hear you talk. I knew you were gonna be super excited about we, that. We, we have like a lot in common the whole time you've been talking and stuff like that. But my, my mother's Liberian, my father's American, he worked for the State Department, so that's how they met and um like the first few years of my life, we were in Sierra Leone and then Liberia, then the war started, so we came to the States. And my mom wanted us, she want, like after the war, she wanted to like go somewhere far from Africa. So we went to Toronto for three years. Oh, wow. She, exper she experienced <laughs> three years of Toronto summer. We lived in Africa till I was 19. <laughs> so, you know, so, yeah. Yeah. Never going back. Yeah. Way to do it, right? <laughs> oh, so what, yo? I'm literally, I'm shaking in my boots right now. This is crazy. <laughs> like, I, this woman, like, since I was a kid, like, I remember my mom was very intentional about introducing this woman to me to give me this real life superhero. I've gone to see her speak Word. multiple times. Like, 
That's so cool. I'm. I wish we could be in person so I could like touch your hand or something. That's bad, buddy. I had to bring that up because I knew you would get a kick out of it. Oh, um, thank you. You blessed it's a me. Chat full of just inspiring yeah, I mean, I, like legacies that we're carrying on. That over. <laughs> that it's funny. Like it's funny like doing this show yeah. for the last two years. Is that's been like my I guess. Um, awakening as to how like revered a figure she is for me it's always been like oh yeah you know <laughs> it's just like fam- you yeah, don't even exactly. know it's not till, like t- talking to mariah <laughs> talking to other people it's like oh wait i guess yeah i guess that is kind of a big deal <laughs> right. i mean it's kind of like think if you think about like blue ivy she's just like my mom is my yeah. mom is beyonce you know what i mean like people who <laughs> who have these iconic figures who are in their lives but they're just, you know, the role that they take is just like yeah. caregiver, you know, or not just, but it's caregiver or person I cuddle <laughs> with versus <laughs> my <laughs> Let's transition into back to talking about music a little bit. Um, yeah. I'm very interested in your process of song creation because you're a producer. You started off making beats first, is yeah. my understanding, and then you brought in rapping. So yeah. I'm wondering how beats and rhymes influence one another for you in that process of song creation. Yeah, thank you for that. That's a great question. Um, So I generally, like I've had to give some talks on songwriting, so I've been thinking a lot about this um, recently, but I don't really, um, and I don't know if other MCs do this, but I don't really start with words for, I can't, I have to have a a beat that I'm writing towards or to. Um, I think maybe one time in my life have I ever had words form and then tried to craft something to fit those those words Hmm. Um, generally I feel like it's such an embodied experience of listening that your flow emerges from like how you're moving um, to the to the production so I usually will produce something not with a with a a kind of like content in mind for what I want to say and maybe something will come up in that moment maybe i just put it in you know put it away put set it aside and then when something emerges for me as a topic it's like okay let me go back and see what's there that can kind of like fit with this thing so um definitely the the beat shapes the the um flow and generally what i'm talking about or speaking towards um, although I do, I do want to trouble that a little bit, like with what we were talking about with party music, you know, like, is there a way I want to be more experimental in the future with taking sounds that I associate with sort of like fun, carefree existence and mapping that onto, you know, my songs about insecurity or whatever, whatever other like mental health crisis I'm dealing with. You know, can I marry these two things together in a, in a more experimental you, way? You definitely can. And like, I, I think that's like the, that's the cheat code, you know, it's just like, it's, yeah. it's, there's like, a, there's something about the quality of like that sort of music like you know from an instrumental standpoint that's kind of just it lures people in that i think once you have them you can be talking about whatever the fuck you want in between it and you you know what i'm saying you're you're gonna be able to if your intention is to like persuade or to turn heads or to give insight or whatever rapping on the stuff that you would think you shouldn't rap on to rap that sort of stuff too (laughs) i think that's like that's the the key moving forward so i can't wait to hear it yeah 
I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I was just going to ask, um, like, who are some influences that you have just like M- MC wise or even producer wise? Yes. OK, so MC wise, I would say kind of in like my my immediate frame of reference. I really like Open Mike Eagle a lot. Like he he to me is just like he's so introspective i feel like i understand the contours of his brain through his music (laughs) (laughs) exactly like he's he's very um like when i teach i'm always telling my students about like specificity like be specific be specific and i think mike eagle's very specific like his his references give you a real snapshot into who he is as like a thinker and a person um, so he's definitely somebody that I, I appreciate. I also really like um, More Mother. Uh, she's 
she's kind of like noise, rap, punk, goth. Like she, her, her description on a band camp is so amazing to me because it's just like, hold on, yeah. I gotta pull this up because it always Let's go. Makes yeah. <laughs> we play like new, like clips of music for people on the show yeah. all the time to introduce them to new stuff, so. Yeah, so she calls herself lo-fi, dark rap, chill step, black girl blues, witch rap, coffee, shop, riot girl song, southern girl ditties, black ghost song. <laughs> hey, like, I know, where do I get my money? I want that. Right, it's like, where do I throw the money? So like, she, she's really dope because she's just interweaving all of these kind of like sonic yeah. spaces in her work. And she, she is a, a producer as well. She works with free jazz artists. Like she's just, very, she doesn't care about boundaries. And I think that's really compelling to me as, as an MC. And, and obviously Mariah, I'm a fan. I think that you're like so incredible and just brilliant and, and such a great performer too, which is not always like being able to hear it and then also see it. Has I'm been really cry. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I got you know a couple minutes after this is over, I can just go and um, enjoy. Thank you so much for that. That means a lot because I do look up to you a great deal and love your music as well. Um, yeah. And actually, you know, one thing I want to ask you about because like people ask me about this all the time, and so and I read in an interview, I think it was with Loud and Quiet, that they described you as exercising your demons through music. And I wondered if you actually, if you would describe it that way, because I feel like that's an interesting way people often characterize music that is about very vulnerable topics. Yeah. Oof. That, um, exercising my demons. I think, I appreciate you, like, maybe, like, pushing back against that, that framing, because, I mean, it definitely has felt like a survival mechanism, like, I have to express this or I'm going to explode or implode. Like, the, the, a kind of desperation around having to speak to that. Um, but as far as exercising, like, I mean, the demons are still there, first of all. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. that's just gonna be there. But I think it is about like maybe like chatting with the demons or like being, being you know, being in conversation or ex exposing them rather than like, through the music, I'm not, I don't feel this anymore. Like, mm -hmm. that's not the case. I think for, for those of us who struggle within these, you know, whether it's a chemical imbalance or a particular situation uh, or a lifelong of trauma that you're dealing with, like the idea that there's sort of an end to it, you release it into the world and then it's no longer with you is not necessarily how I would characterize the musical process for me. But it is, a, it is, it provides a lens. Like when I make a music about the thing, I think I can see it for what it is, like articulate what is going on and maybe understand it a little bit better. But I don't know if it's, if it's exercised, like. I appreciate yeah. the word, way you worded that talking to the demons and like, yeah. you know, like you're just having conversation and, and understanding them better. And yeah. I think the idea of like demonizing our troubles even, like it's yeah. not very rare to feel depression. It's not rare yeah. to feel these things. So like, they're not necessarily like evil forces to be cast right. out. They're just right. human things that are demonized because we don't yeah. talk about them. And then you talk That's about them. Good. So then they, for other people also, are de-demonized. Like making yeah. the, making the song is the act of talking about it. Like, you know what I mean? That's the... Yeah. Um. 
so you're you're uh, going to be going out on the road soon, right? Because we were talking earlier about you got some shows coming up. I do. As <laughs> <laughs> you can hear, you hear the stress <laughs> in my voice. Um, yeah, so I'm going to be in May. I have some shows on the... Well, I have one show up here in New England and then uh, four shows with a friend of mine, Mega Ran. I think oh, yeah, actually we, you might... We had yeah. Mega Ran on the show, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah of course, yeah. Big fans of okay, Mega Ran. for sure. He's great. He's just such a supportive, um, like, music friend. He always will put you on. He's always going to figure out a way to, to, like, help out the homies. So he actually, he wanted to go on a longer tour. And I was like, I can only do four <laughs> days. Like, I'm going <laughs> to, your girl is rusty. Like, just let me do my week and come home and reassess. So I'll be on the West Coast for four days. And then I have one more show in New England. And then it's like, I chill, which feels like a good a nice first um, like entrance back into it. Like if I had two or three weeks, I feel like I'd be broke down by by the top of yeah. week two. I don't think I ever want to do more than a week ever again. <laughs> I didn't realize how bad that was for my mental health before until I stopped doing it. I was like, I've become more stable. I, I think that's I think that's because yeah. like the natural state, like the older you get, when you if you're still in the game, you get the you know you eventually get to a point where it's like, man, I think. A good week long runs about the max for me because I remember back in like 2013, 2014, yo, niggas was going on tour for like a month and shit. <laughs> like you're coming back with all kinds of crazy bills, <laughs> like, like just all completely out of whack. And yeah, not, like it was all your goals just died. <laughs> like, what? you gained like 60 pounds from eating fast food all the time. Yeah, man, it's a hard, it's a rough, rough. I mean, yeah, that that part for sure. <laughs> like, I don't think I can really deal with all of the, my, my older body is just like, girl, no. <laughs> Not it. That's why I was super impressed at the Super Bowl. Like all these yeah. old ass niggas like Snoop yeah. and like Dr. Like, Dre, like up there, like, hey. wow, hold it down. Like that's really, I mean, it's like, 30 minutes I, I, or I whatever, saw, but I was still like, man, hey, I had a breath. Yeah. I saw some behind the scenes <laughs> thing, and I forget, was it, it was either Meth, Red Man or Method Man, or it was like Dipset, but it was like them like recently, and they're on the tour bus after a show, and they're like, yo, there's so much Ben Gay on this bus right now. We're, <laughs> we're all in such pain. <laughs> That's where the stuff coming in, like, what's that smell? <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, same as how far away is uh how far nah Pardon? I was I was looking at my tour date seeing if I was gonna be anywhere near Rhode Island. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be like a new ham Yeah, so what are these dates? What are these dates so listeners can go find yeah. tickets and come see you and experience yeah. the greatness? Thank you. Yeah, I I don't even know. I'm like I'm going on tour at some point. Let me like actually pull that up. Um so the date the tour starts on um, uh, May 13th uh, at the Waking Windows Festival in Vermont. And then the May 14th through 18th is the West Coast, Seattle down to San Diego. And then May 19th, I'll be in New Hampshire. And then back home to sleep. So for people who haven't like heard your music before, right? So you're gonna go, you're about to get back on the road after a hiatus of not being on the road. So you're probably gonna have yeah. a lot of fans and a lot of people who have been following you so. that are now gonna get the chance to see you again. So what is like, what are like two of the songs, two of the joints where you feel 
oh man, I gotta do these if if people are gonna be coming there to see me. And and they've been Ooh. listening to my music over the years. Uh, so I mean, I perform a song called 1080p at I think at every show. Wish I knew how to be comfortable here. I never feel like I'm allowed to breathe. Rubbing shoulders with these old nerds, rocking sweater. Um, just because I think it's important. I like you were saying, right? Just that this to create a space where people can see someone in conversation with the, the difficult parts of their their experience. Um, so I do that song and then there's another song. It's not released yet and I um, want to like, you know, at some point I need to record this thing, but <laughs> uh, it's a song called Two Hands and it's almost, I've framed it as a response to 1080p in the sense that, um, you know, like, uh, I started to have this kind of weird thing happen at shows where people would be like, do 1080p or like do your depression song. And it's like, uh, hold on, <laughs> wait a minute. Like, I don't, this doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel good being asked to just like, perf like perform the pain, like come through and perform your pain for us. Like that felt weird. So yeah. I wanted to, you know, like there's this weird exploitative element that can come up when you're being vulnerable. So I wrote Two Hands, which is a song about just like the things that I find joy in. Even being a broken person, it's like there's still things that, the, just the fact that we can create is actually fucking incredible. Like that's wild that we can make stuff from our brains and then people will sit with it. Like what the hell? So that's what the song is about. And I, I like to perform it after 1080p to be like, Here's So right the now other. people look at, can only hear that at a show. Yeah, but it will it will be recorded at some point soon, and all the all the um, the rest of the songs on this next project it'll be on We're there. Out. Well, get out there, go see some of these shows if you're nearby. Also, I just want to say real quick, when you said two hands, I made, thought of that line from Mighty Morphin where you're like, I thought like clap of like I got a pair of other hands. I was like, oh, she just went all the way in on it, like really getting the details on the other hands. Which maybe that's the content of the song. I don't know. I guess I gotta come yeah. to one of your shows to think about it. So where, where can uh, thank you so much. People, I'm sorry. Oh wait, sorry. where can people find? You got another question? No, no. I was just, I was just oh, gonna. I'm, I'm, I'm closing it off. So I was just gonna say, where, where can people find you if they're looking for you online? Uh, so I have been really trash about posting. Like, so Good. you can, you can see my Instagram post from like May 2020. <laughs> 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 It's Samus Music. Uh, everything is Samus Music. S A M M U S Music. Um. And I'm trying to, you know, this is another part of the anxiety of being an artist that you have to be very online, yeah. you know? And so like, you know, dealing with that, like, oh, I have to promote the shows on the tour. I need to probably tell people that there is a tour coming. Um, so I'll be a little bit more online over the next month or so. And then you can just go to samusmusic.com for my music stuff. And then inango-lk.com to go see my like other stuff that I'm working, things that I'm writing about, like that kind of stuff. So, well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Um, good luck out there. You know, treat yourself thank well you. while you're on the road and in general, and in general, everyone. Yeah, needs for sure. And if y'all, if y'all are ever like Providence is between Boston and New York, so if you're going planning a, an East Coast tour, like just plan a stop in Providence, and we can let's like figure out a show for y'all.
Ah, you thought that we were about to do a music discussion, didn't you? It's a music discussion beat. Nah, I promise we'll get into the music. We'll do a music discussion on like the next episode or something like that. We haven't done one of those in a long time. But that was Samus, yo. That was like, (laughs) it's been so long just like knowing about her and being in the same places that she's been in that to have like a conversation with her for the first time, that was dope. Um, I will be on the road next week. You can uh, go on my Instagram page, dope underscore knife, and check out those dates. But if memory does serve, I do believe I'm going to be in Nashua, New Hampshire on April 20th. That's going to be Nashua Garden. And uh, yeah, just check for the rest of those dates. I think Troy, New York is going to be the next day and so on and so forth. You can find all that stuff. Um, on Friday, tomorrow, for y'all, I'm going to be dropping a new song with my homie Miles Bullen. And it's called It's Not Always Sunshine. And instead of the freestyle raps, that's what we're going to play for you guys today. So I'm going to let that take you home. And let's hit it. So dismayed, so afraid, swallow tablets. Wish my dead homies come back like they was Lazarus. Jump into a pit and hope it's bottomless. I'm free falling. Hope I'm faster than my problems, but they keep calling. Looking at the nicest folk caught up in the ice and dope. But I'm fortunate my only dragon is I like to smoke. I wish I could take the pain away. I know you all the same as me. We'll pack it up and save it for a rainy day. I don't believe in hell, but still ignore the words of Satan say. They believe in shells, they just load it up and aim and spray. Death is the high cost of living when you think about it. I'm cheap, probably a coward, and I think I'm out it. Nothing but clouds around my crown, and they leave me surrounded. Scared of new beginnings, but it's bravery it when you speak about it. Start again and again and again and again. You have mastered new beginnings. You have mastered new beginnings. It takes bravery to start again and again and again and again. 
after new beginnings. Dope Knife from Lingua Franca, and you were listening to Waiting on Reparations. See you next week. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.